Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between. I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. This is your hostess with the mostess, Kaylin, and I am excited today. I have a new friend that I have made in Santa Barbara, and y'all know that anytime I like, well, first of all, I use this podcast to make friends. I think we're all clear on that at this point. And second of all, anytime I meet somebody new who is sort of in my community, who has an interesting story, inevitably at some point, I'm like, hey, I got to get you on the podcast because there's so many. Yeah, I just have a lot of interesting people in my orbit. And I, you know, I'm like a I'm like a lifetime learner. And I feel every time I'm around like a new person, there's it's like it's totally divine. Like I'm like getting the exact things that I need just from the people that I surround myself with. And it's like, oh, wow, I needed to hear that and that and that. And so with that being said, I have my new friend, Owen Rennert, on the show today. Hi, Owen. Hi, Kaylin. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. So slight little backstory with Owen. I, over the last, I guess like maybe six months or so, Angel, my partner and I, we have been going to a kink meetup here in Santa Barbara, like anytime that we get a chance. And if you're asking yourself, what is a kink meetup? (laughs) It's basically like, it's really just a group of open-minded people who want to explore sexuality and like push edges and really explore this whole world of, and I wouldn't even say it's just sexuality, right? It's like, it's so much more than that. So maybe Owen, you can like speak to this, but that is where I met Owen. (laughs) Yes, this is you met me. I occasionally help co-host and help out at the Santa Barbara slosh. The term slosh is just what people in the kink community use to refer to a social gathering where beverages are available because like the word slosh is like a liquid. And you're right, it's literally just a bunch of people hanging out at a local bar who are very wonderful people for allowing said meetup to happen and we're all kind of just hanging out and chatting and it just so happens that like alternative intimacy and kink and exploration are just things that we're interested in right. um it's like yeah. one of the things we all have in common and a great way to meet new friends mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's i'm just interested in being around really open-minded people and so Anytime I'm like thinking about like, oh, do I want to go to an event? It's like, are there going to be the kinds of people there that 
you know, that are sort of like an energetic match for me and for Angel. And so, yeah, we've met some really interesting people there. But last week I was saying to Angel, I was like, you know, all those times we've gone to the kink meetup. I think the fact that we met Owen there just like makes it all worth it. (laughs) So (laughs) I just want to share about like about, you know, Owen's background and, you know, who they are in the world. And then we're just going to jump right in and see wherever the conversation wants to take us. So Owen is in school right now to be a sex therapist. I'm like, yes, we need more people like Owen on the front lines. We'll get there. We'll get there one day. Oh but I'm excited. God. And they have an up, they have an international upbringing. They've been a local game show host. They are a blues dancer. And really, the way I relate to them is that they are so passionate about being education in the community around, what would you say? I, I Like sexual exploration. But again, it's like, it's so much more than that. I would like, I use the term alternative intimacy in oh. what I do. And that's not a coin term. I'm not like, I, I'm yeah. just not like, it's not something that like exists as a, as a community. It's more that I believe in the concept of connecting with another person at the level that is most comfortable and that doesn't always mean sex and which is usually a word that's always overlapping with the term intimacy but in my own life and what I do is I connect it with food I connect it with dance I connect it with friendship and those kinds of forms of intimacy and I try to help those around me recognize that there's other ways to get what you need out of the people you're connected with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I really hear in that is just like there are there are so many like traditional ways that we think about connecting. You know, people go on a date and then they're like, okay, well, maybe date one, we kiss. And then maybe date two, we do this thing. And date three, we like have penetrative sex or whatever, right? Yeah. Like there's sort of all terms out there. And what I really hear and what you just shared is just the idea of like throwing that all out the window and being like, hey, if we just look at two people, like what do they want? And also what do they need to feel safe and held in that connection? Yeah. And like as a non-binary person who uses they them pronouns, it's one of those things where traditional concepts of dating or traditional concepts of how others relate to me are very different. And so I've translated how I've managed my own identity with that to help others who may also not fit that traditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's one of the things I just love about you is that you have your eye out for everybody, but you're also not projecting your own stuff onto people right? Or like thinking, making assumptions about how it will be for them. You're just like, oh, how is it for you? And yeah, it's like one of the things I really deeply appreciate about, oh, I guess I want to give my listeners even a little more context. So we hosted, when we met Owen, they were talking about shibari, which is Japanese rope tying. And Angel and I had had a desire to go, you know, sort of go down the shibari path. And then Owen was mentioning this and we're like, we got so turned on. We were like, yes, (laughs) 
We want this. And so Owen hosted a little workshop actually for Angel's birthday. This was like a few weeks ago where we got to just learn some basic ties and really use the rope as a connection tool. And it was just like, it was a really profound experience for us. You know, I've done rope in a few other settings, but just the way that you like really met us where we were, but then also brought so much like play and fun, you know, (laughs) it was like, this is such a beautiful place to really like let go. Yeah, it was, first of all, it was a super fun workshop for myself. Well, because you were so open to all the different ways that that workshop gone. There are certain people who go to a rope workshop and they are anxious beyond belief, which is a very reasonable, you know, thing. Rope is one of those like topics that people like, oh, that's kind of scary. But you guys came into it. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to. Let's see where (laughs) that goes. And watching yourself and some of your friends who who came to the workshop, it's kind of like why I do the teaching that I do. And I've been teaching Shibari for about two years. And it's like that aha moment. It's when you guys finish a tie and you're like, oh shit, I just did something and I like that I did that thing. And that little spark is like all I search for when I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I, also, by the way, y'all, Owen is 22. Okay. <laughs> I am it's a child. I'm like, okay, if you knew where I was at the age of 22, like traipsing around like the meat, the clubs of the meatpacking district in New York, you know, like going completely unconscious. It's so I'm just like, wow, this is a whole other world. I can only imagine. I mean, I trust my whole path, you know, like I'm like, I had to have all the every experience that I've had. And when I meet somebody that's like of your age that is on this path of exploration, I'm like, damn, I don't even know where you're going to be when you're my age. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people have been telling me since I was eight that it's just like, hey, why are you 30 right now? Can, we, <laughs> can you have the time to do the stupid shit that like people your age are supposed to do? And I just, I guess I skipped that step or the things I decided to do were just so specifically calculated. Oh my God. Got me where I am. Yeah. Well, and tell me a little bit about just as you think about your childhood and sort of your upbringing. I know that you grew up internationally, which had like a big impact on how you are today. But yeah, I would love to hear like just about some of the experiences that that formed, you know, kind of who you are now. So I grew up in Mass Vibes. Main country, Australia, Zambia, United States. Work. My parents worked in international work, so my mom was with the U.S. Embassy. My dad, United Nations. And what that meant was every two to four years, we'd move to another country. We knew how long we had in the country the minute we stepped foot in it. Like you have a three-year tour, you have a four-year tour. That. And so growing up, it was so normal. It was so normal up until like middle school. I was like, wait a minute. Now I don't have my friends anymore. And I have to start all over from scratch. And I got to figure out a new thing. And there are certain types of, there are certain types of country transitions that are more difficult than others. For example, we moved from Zambia, which is South Central Africa, to Beijing, China, which is a surveillance state. So 
there are very big changes that happened during developmental years for me that gave me like this, I'm going to start from scratch, I'm going to try something new, but I'm going to get the best out of it in the amount of time that I have. And I think that's why I have so many like very like you you look at like the list of the things that I do on paper it's like this is like 30 very random fucking things and it's just because what I want always want to try something new and when I try something new I do it to the degree that it then just becomes an additional skill set because I want to commit to the new thing that I did mm-hmm. and it just gives me all these amazing experiences play around and meet new people and it just gave me this sense of wonder growing up it's like man like I got to make the most of the time I have with the people that I'm with. So I'm going to invest everything at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love you are, you go deep. Oh, and that is, that is <laughs> one thing I have learned about you in the short time that we have been friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And then tell tell me about like how you started exploring in the kink world. Like, you know, ah. you are the most experienced 22-year-old I've <laughs> ever met. I'm like, I don't even know any of this existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Makes it really, really fun to be in the dating world with where I am in life. But it's yeah. <laughs> one of those things where it's like somebody mentions it in passing and you're like, Oh, I haven't heard that word before. What does that word mean? Because I'm the person who will press and be like, I've never heard what that is. Tell me what that is. And so I was living in Singapore at the time where I was around 16 years old. And I had a mutual friend who was talking about shibari specifically because it's very common in Southeast Asia and it's like rope art and something that originated in Japan and it spread its way, you know, throughout the world. Yeah. It was super, super prevalent in certain areas in Singapore. And I had a friend who was like, hey, kink, kink exists. That's a thing. And I was like, that's a thing. That's like, oh, like I've heard, you know, I get, you hear about it. And you're just like, when you're 16, the concept of like sexual exploration is really new. But we're also living in a Southeast Asian country where um, it's very, very, you know, strict taboo laws to even discuss sex and yeah. things like that same sex like couplings are illegal in that country and still are and as a queer person it was one of those things where i was like you know what i'll get to it when i get to it i will just do my book reading for now so i did the thing where i would sit with a friend or i would go online and i would read read reddit posts i would read forums and be like oh okay so this is what shibari is this is what the bsm community looks like and then I did a little bit of like small exploration with my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. Like playing around with power dynamics. And then I moved to the United States. Ooh, that wow. same year. Um, where the legal age of consent is 18 versus 16, which it was in Singapore. So my ability to network legally, I like to follow the law of the country I'm in. So I <laughs> just as a, a baseline, even though, you know, I had about a year-ish of, of book smarts and like networking and chatting with people, I had this little two-year period where I, the legal age of consent wasn't high enough for me to reasonably and safely explore while living in the United States. So I did a shit on a reading. So much that by the time I turned 18, I immediately signed up 
for FetLife, which is an online DSM social media site. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I went Wait, to my first hilarious. Owen, this is like, I am just so... Some people ask for cars on their birthday and like some people want like a new mm-hmm. iPhone. I'm like, just let me legally sign up for a king site. That's all I'm... <laughs> that is so funny. And I just love, I mean, you know, the nerdy part of you that just totally came out and was like, okay, <laughs> I want to, you know, I'm just going to read about this. Yeah, it's so, I can just feel the purity of your exploration. I was always super cautious, especially because I never know what environment I'm going to be. And so that adaptive part of me is also like, all right, I don't know what the ground rules are yet. So I need to make sure I'm safe. I need to make sure eggs away, which most people, you know, who are like 18 at the time would not do. They would just be like, I'm just going to jump into it. And while I did do that, I made sure that I Exactly what I was doing, only go to events that were in like public spaces for the first like six, seven months of my kink exploration. I exclusively only went to one event, which was a weekly lunch at a local Fuddruckers because I knew that that was a safe location to meet people. Oh, <laughs> and I and that was back in Orange County. I have some great friends out there now that I've made because yeah. of it who have since inspired me to continue my journey yeah. outside of said Fuddruckers. <laughs> Well, and what was it like to just start like talking to people and and like exploring that journey after like sort of having to shut it down? It was so nice for several reasons. And the biggest one is that when I moved to the United States, I had one of the biggest culture shock experience, which is something that you experience a lot from third culture kids, which is what I am. It means people who grew up in a bunch of displaced countries. And it is that I was like, oh. I've identified as American my whole life legally, but I've never lived in the States really. And moving to the United States, I had this big community disc. And it was, I'm not being intellectually stimulated the way that I have been in educational environments. It's just the way that people are structured, the way social structure is different. It just changes. And when I stepped foot in the King community, I met a bunch of people who had this open-minded outset everything not just like like sex and you know what kink sometimes gets associated with but just life and i needed that i needed to meet with people who were like i want to talk about video games or i want to talk about this and we're going to talk about it in the weirdest ways and it's going to be okay you know there was no wrong way to have a conversation and obviously like it was still trauma informed and people would keep you in check if you said something or if you asked a question that may have been like, you know, offensive in some way, but it was a learning environment that was learning for without a bound, without a strong boundary. Loved it. Loved it. Mm. Small me. This is like, this is what I needed. Yeah. That I was not getting at a U.S. public school. Let me tell you that. I just, yeah, I really hear that it was like, it was a whole world of exploration where you could really, I mean, it sounds like you could just really engage with people who were on your level of like curiosity and depth yeah. and yeah, just like willingness to be in the exploration. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm absolutely grateful for all the people I met there during the time that I was there. And like a little like thing for for like your listeners is that not every single kink environment is going to be like that. 
they are hit or miss. There are things that take a lot of research and calculation to know which events you're going to that are going to have that open-minded set. Not everyone does that. So just like safety concerns are always, always forefront of your mind. But I got very lucky and my first one happened to be run by this beautiful elderly couple who oh. were like, they had been hosting kink events on like Yahoo when the <laughs> internet first freaking started. Stop it. Icon. And oh we're literally just wanted to sit down. Like, you know, when you sit down and get like your elderly homes and you have an old lady, like just telling you stories and like educating you. It was that, but with like a kinky old woman who was like, yeah, and so my slave, my first slave I had when I was 30. And I was like, I love you. Oh <laughs> my God. Wow, that's a good so, That's so sweet. You know, it's like the my experience with the kink community is it really is like it's a it's 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 kind of nerdy, you know? Like I'm a nerd. Oh, totally a nerd. Nerdy. So but, nerdy. Cuz it, it it's actually it requires I think the thing that people outside of this do not understand is like, oh, it sounds like sexy and cool and yeah and hot and like all of these things that can be true and there's it's like in order to create that you have to be willing to like learn and grow and like take some side turns that maybe don't go the way that you thought they would and like it's like a research lab I think it's one of the things and this is something that I tell people who have never been to a kink event at least for like things that are defined as sloshes or money which are the social public events. And it is that every single person in that space is kinky. We talk about kink 10% of the time. The rest of it is dumb, nerdy shit. It is <laughs> it is just the most niche things about like the world yeah. events, or science, or video games, or TV and movies. And then sometimes we'll make a kink joke in the middle of it and everyone feels safe. Every once in a while, you'll see a conversation where it's exclusively about technique, king, but it's really just like we have common ground. What can we build from that? And that's super. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, what do I want to say about this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people just know I'm, I'm just an absolute nerd. That's like how I've gone so <laughs> deep on this path, you know? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have the capacity to just jump right in. Totally. Mm, thank you. So I am curious to hear one thing I guess, you know, you and I haven't ever talked about is your non-binary journey and yeah. sort of like what that what that was like and like realizing your your gender identity and just the whole. Yeah, I just think the the whole journey. So I, wherever you want to start with that, I just want to like slow down here and give yeah. you some space for that. Yeah, so I identify as non-binary masculine. And what that means is that I was born female. I do not, I, I don't consider myself a male. Then it's one of those things. I grew up with such displaced concepts. Like living in Africa and then living in Asia and then living in the States. Those things all have drastically different gender norms to the point that gender norms weren't a and I had the freedom to grow up with the understanding that I be who I am and it doesn't need to fit into that category or that, which was great. I was very grateful for that internal like freedom process. Like I was never growing up with a strict 
sense of what is what. But I didn't really fully understand what the transpector was till I moved to the United States. It was just a bigger political discourse topic uh, when I moved here in 2016. And that was when I was like, oh, shit, I check every single box that I'm hearing talk about. All of these like articles about what binary people are, what trans people are. And I was like, ah, shit, I'm on that spectrum. God damn it. Now I have to do something to help myself because I know that I'm not going to be happy now <laughs> that I know that mm-hmm. there is a solution for the dysphoria that I was feeling, which was like feeling not being happy with like the feminine aspects of my body. And it wasn't even in a way of like, like you have your body image disorders and your disorders that are specifically like, oh, I just don't like my body. But it wasn't that. I was like, oh, yeah, my body's all right. I just don't want that. <laughs> don't mm. want the dick. Or think it's <laughs> and, and it took a lot of time to like really think it through. I was like, am I sure that that's what that is? Am I not just projecting what I can't, what I could be? You know, am I just been reading stuff? Ultimately, what happened is I, it's the funniest shit. I literally, so my dad and I do these wonderful things where we hang out maybe once every couple of months. We'd go out to a restaurant and like catch up on where we're at in life. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite thing? We do like like a, what we call like our favorites talk. My dad's an amazing, an amazing role model for me. And I remember these, I took them to a ramen place. And at the very end of our lunch, I was like, like, hey, I have a question for you. And he was like, yeah, what's going on? And then I immediately started bawling. And I was like, hey, I think trans. Oh. And he was like, why to like end the conversation with that bro we've been doing this this whole time. like he was just like Aww. so so he's like okay what do you want to do about it i'm like i don't know Aww. i don't know and so when i what i ended up doing is i socially transitioned it was just between me and my dad my mom is the most homophobic like piece of shit but mm-hmm. um my dad was somebody who's like okay well why don't we try social transitions and if it works there so i shortened my name to like a shortened version of what my previous feminine legal name was and went by that to find out that they had their pronouns for about years up until like my year of college and also that was like the COVID pandemic and a couple of other stuff but i exclusively used like a male version of my of my female name and i used pronouns and i was like oh i can't be seen as anything other than them these pronouns now i i cannot identify as you know like that is just not who i am and what happened through that process is i became a member of my university's advocacy group for queer students i became a non-binary empowerment coordinator and i hosted several events about like being against outside cisnormativity or just concepts of of gender gendered clothing just the way that we perceive gender the way we perceive identity and how non-binary just works with me specifically and through that i was able to get a scholarship through my university for health insurance that covered about 70 percent 80 percent of top surgery for me which was something that i didn't consider doing by just because of financial reasons and mm-hmm. what happened is i was just like i took some time and i was like you know what? Fuck this shit. You know, let's let's do it. I don't want to just like sit and like twiddle my thumb if I feel uncomfortable every time I look in the mirror because I have parts that I don't want. 
And if it's going to be covered, let's do it. So I got top surgery and took a long process of getting cleared for it and doing all my scans. And then I got my surgery in March of this, of this calendar year, March of 2022. Been about six, seven months post-op now, which is still so new for me. Mm. Uh, I'm still perceived as female in most environments and that's okay. During that process, I legally changed my name, which is help, which gets helpful. But some people consider my name is Ellen. I'll be like, oh, hi, I'm Owen. And they're like, oh, Ellen. Hi. I'm like, okay, whoa. <sighs> I love this, this, this programming that's happening here. But, you know, I once had somebody ask me, are you sure? When I told them my name, and I was like, wait, wait, what? And I said, I was like, what, what did I say? I said, oh, yeah, my name's Owen. And they're like, oh, can you spell that for me? I was like, yeah, O-W-E. And they were like, are you sure? And I said, I did not pay 60 bucks for this name. I did not be sure. Oh and it's one of those things where I take it with good heart. Like, people are, are going to live whatever gender truth they are in. And if that's by their, their own right to be. Me. And I surround myself with the people like that. And who understand that and those are the people closest to me but I can navigate both environments because I'm not going to hold it against other people validate my experience you know mm-hmm. but gender neutral bathrooms help too yeah and how has it felt since you had your surgery oh, like what is your experience fantastic. in your body it has been fantastic I have never like felt more confident in my entire like and I've been talking to my my dad and talking about family just like certain family and friends about it. And they're like, yeah, since you got top surgery, you're confident, you've been wanting out more, you can talk to people more. Just because I feel that I'm being me more genuinely, you know? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where even though I was, I like, I'm still the same, like, like emotional, spiritual person that I was prior, feeling that I'm physically in a place that aligns with those, with those values is one of the things that's been really validating to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, I'm going to go to the slot where I talk to everybody. You know, and it's so great. It's been so great. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. So one of the, yeah, one of the things I'm just so curious to hear you talk about is like your, your experience of how you, of creating intimacy, like that thing that we yeah. were talking about at the beginning I just want to go a little bit deeper into that because this is so in line with what my show is about, right? It's like any way you want it, you can literally have it the exact way that you want it. And I guarantee you, there's probably someone out there like who wants to have that with you the way that you want it. (laughs) Yes. And I'd say this, I say this a lot to people and it's that if you're, it's like like attracts like kind of a thing, if you are not living authentically the way you want to live, you're not going to attract the people who want that. Only by truly being who you are and what in yourself, people are going to see that and be like, oh, I like that and I want I connect it. But if you're hiding it and you're holding it back, you're not going to find those like people because you're hiding your shit. Stop hiding your shit. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, no, no, no. You're hiding your shit. Stop hiding I, your shit. I love it. Hiding your shit. <laughs> People don't have time to care about what your perceived flaws are. They don't. Nobody else has time for it. The only person who gives the time for the things that you're worried about are you. That's, yeah. that's what I tell people. But 
for creating intimacy, one of the first workshops I run with most groups is what I call the limitless workshop. And for anybody who's familiar with the gay community or other people in the community, the concept of boundary setting in the gay community is something that I apply to every single thing that I do, out even outside of kink and outside of like. And what that concept is, is it's creating a literal document. It is a physical piece of paper. And you write on the left-hand side a list of activities, whether that is in the kink sense. It's like, oh, blogging or rope or whatever it is. But it could also be things like hiking or eating Italian food or going outside after 10 p.m. On the right-hand side, you would then assign that activity a number. I can, I like between zero and five being like zero is I will under no circumstances do this thing. And that is non-negotiable. One is like, I really don't like this thing. Here are the circumstances where I would do that. Two and three are various levels of like, eh, okay, it's all right. Whether it's on the more positive or the negative side or being like, yeah, I'm down. And five being like this, like, I love this. I will do this anytime you want me to do this, you know? Mm. with a section where you can type in information like oh i'll do this but i have an allergy about this you know we're always trauma informed and risk informed here and the way it works is you fill out that document you and your partner or whoever you're you're setting a boundary with you fill out the same form for yourself don't show the other person yet talk about what items you want to put on it or come up with your own whether that's date ideas and then you sit down for an hour and you look at each other's lists and see where, why with your partners. And what, I use the word partner very flexibly. It could also just be your friends or mm-hmm. your parents, or family or anybody. It would be like, oh, I see you know, you you rated that a two. Why did you rate that a two when it's a four for me? Why don't we talk about if that's something we can negotiate? And that's how you kind of, for a lot of people, you can visualize what a boundary looks like. Mm. A lot of people don't know what a boundary is. Everyone's like, oh, they like it or they don't like it. And that's not necessarily true. It's the degree of liking something and the degree of not liking something and how open to negotiation you are with that boundary. And it can be things that are super, super specific. Like for me on my limit list, I would put something like, I don't like it when you touch my hips because I have gender dysphoria and that's not, that's a very feminine hold. But for some people, they're like, I only want you to touch my hips because I'm self-conscious about other things. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's just like me and my friend group, I'll be like, you know what, guys, I'm just feeling like a solid three on karaoke night. You know, like I can take it or leave it. But if we could go a different direction, that would be nice. And it's just like a great <laughs> way of like creating a space and advocating for yourself in a way that's translated. Everybody. Yeah. And you putting all of your thoughts and your feelings on a piece of paper with numbers associated with it. And you can change that list anytime you need to, update it anytime you need to. And it's one of those things that allows you to create a space for you. I encourage that all the time. Yeah. this I love the idea of even just using this for other things, like karaoke night or, or whatever, right? It's the, because what I really hear in it is the, like just precision and clarity around what is true for you. 
you know, because it, it's so often I think so much about our true desires gets lost in our communication, you know? Yeah. It's like, do you want to ha- get Thai food tonight? Sure. Like, yeah. what, is, what does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> it's it's sort of like limp communication. And let's be real. I mean, I... I ha- I'm sure I have communications like this all the time that I'm like not present to, you know, and but the thing that I I just like I encourage for my clients and that I aim to practice in my life is just total like clarity and um, the yeah, like being on the fence about something is sort of like that's a, that's OK, too. But also like being able to communicate like what, where you are exactly and what that's about. Why is it? Why are you? Yeah. What's contributing to that? Mm -hmm. How can I help you get over that fence in one direction? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And if there are listeners who are like, ooh, maybe I want to try this with like a friend or a partner. Where do you think is like a good place to start with creating a list like this? Just for people who are like, I don't even know what I would freaking put on that list. Yeah, absolutely. So in it's literally called a limits list in the kink community. If you Google like BDSM limit list, you're going to come up with a million sample PDFs of everyone does it a different way. Some people put a, have you even done this thing before? Yes or no in the beginning of it. Because that can be helpful too. They don't really have, they don't really create templates for ones that are more like non BDSM and kink, but I apply the concept to other things. Yeah. But for basic templates, literally just Google BDSM limitless and you'll find a million things. I believe like the Submissives Guide website has a bunch for people who might be experiencing a lot of like receiving and don't really know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. But the, recommendation I have is like just look at where you are right now in this moment look at the space you're in look at the people who are around you and be like if where if I can rate this exact sensation that I'm feeling right now on a scale of one to five how would I rate it and thinking about well why would I rate it that way what could make it better what could make it worse and creating that threshold for yourself because I experience everything in numbers now when I started learning about limitless, I like go out with a friend and if I experience a conversation with someone and I let that conversation be like, all right, that was a two. And I'm like, how can I get it to a four? Or how can I get it to a five? And sometimes it's not the other person's fault. Sometimes it's like, well, you know what? If I ate breakfast this morning or if I had the energy today, maybe I would have been more enthusiastic at this thing or maybe that's what I need more energy for this type of interaction. It's that self-reflection that gets me really great with like, communicating my boundaries when it really matters you know Mm. which is when someone unintentionally or intentionally violates said boundaries you know being able to speak up for it because you're in the practice of knowing what your boundary is so deeply it's like yo I don't know what the fuck that was but I did not like it you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's a hard that's a hard thing to do Mm. and I it takes a lot of time and effort to be able to feel comfortable telling people that they make you uncomfortable, even if it's a small level of uncomfortable. People don't like to bother other people. And just kind of like I was saying earlier, nobody, like, get your shit together. Nobody cares about <laughs> if you're bothering them, you speak up. Yeah. Because then it won't happen again, happen again compared to, like, allowing things that slightly irk you to just build up over time. 
Mm. You don't have to live that if you don't want to. Yeah, well, and it's in what you're saying, I just really hear the the responsibility of you like you really owning your experience and then just communicating your desires and communicating what you need and what what you are available for and what you're not available for. Yeah. And it's not in a way that's like, oh, I don't like you or what you are doing to like the other person you're talking to. It's, hey, this is my personal feeling about this. I don't 100 percent know why I had a negative reaction to that, but I just want to let you know that that was something that felt weird to me. And right. yeah. maybe you want to explore it. Maybe you don't. You can say, hey, I'm not up to exploring it right now. I just want to let you know that sentence was a bit funky for me. And it goes a long way. You'll find that the people who you'll really want in your life and the people that really do value you will value those statements and be like, oh, I'm sorry if that hurt you. Maybe if I reworded it this way, would does that hit better for you? And things like that, that just help you build connection a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. What are you exploring and playing with right now? I am, oh God, so many things. And yet also like no time for any of them. It's one of those things where I have a million hobbies at any given time. And it's just, in the BDSM world, I'm working on suspension right now, which is suspension shibari, which is people who are somewhat elevated off the ground. It's a more advanced level. It's my first time at the advanced level. I'm having a great old time with that. I'm also wait let me slow down what do you love about it I just love the feeling that it gives other people and that's kind of what I do a lot of my a lot of my a lot of the things that bring me joy is when I see other people getting joy from the things that I do so wonderful wonderful uh, people pleaser mentality but I do love shibari suspension at least because the people who I surround myself with in this environment who are like rope bottoms get so much like catharsis from it that yeah. I feel like I'm creating a healing space through through this practice. And it's so nice. It's just so nice. Yeah, totally. I so you just, you love the holding of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I just love creating a space where people can just like not worry about other shit. No, I dance and I create a dance space and people don't have to like talk. They can just dance, move within their boundaries. Mm -hmm. Same with rope spaces. Also, if I just have friends over for a movie night, I make sure they're getting what they want out of it. Cuddles and it's cuddles. If that's commentary, then it's commentary, you know? I'm someone who's so down for anything if it means that the person I'm with is getting what they need out of it because I know that I respect my own boundaries enough to speak up not suiting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good time. <sighs> I love that. Yeah, you really love, I just really get the way that you love to create experiences for people. And that's, I think, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but that mm-hmm. to me feels like that's like part of your get off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to use it. Maybe. Okay. I my don't have to friend, use the word get off. <laughs> no, 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 no. My some friends make me joke because they, they're like, oh, oh, and you're a service top, which is not what I am. The term uh-huh. service top is someone who tops people because yeah. they only do it for the other person. But for me, <laughs> I'm, 
And someone said this really well when I was starting out. They're like, I am like in the intimacy and sex world, I'm a reactionist, um, which is, you know, there's all these terms like you're a dominant, you're a submissive, you're a sadist, you're all these things, which are all these labels that are distinctive of one particular trait. Yeah. And someone, God, I can't remember who said it. Someone said it really well. They're like, I'm a reactionist, which is whatever is going to give my partner that aha moment that reaction oh i really enjoyed that or that was super cool that is what i get off i really Mm -hmm. absolutely that's absolutely what i practice all the time (laughs) yeah i so i really see that for you i mean that's the whole experience of creating the workshop with Mm -hmm. us you know like i could just feel the way that you're like oh like you know i would love for like kaylin and angel to be able to get off on this you know yeah well, yeah, this is one of those things where, like, I I reserve the last section of any of my workshops for whatever the space needs, and that space for for our workshop, like, like we want to do some more open time, which was just sitting down and play with a bunch of rope, and right, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all did a great job. Aw, thanks, Owen. What a compliment. <laughs> Okay. Well, as we as we start to wrap up, is there anything else that you want people to know? I mean, own your journey. Kind of a thing. It's really it's really hard to do that and to just decide I'm going to do things. Because you can think about it all you want and but actively making the decision that you're making very very difficult and when it comes to kink and when it comes to exploring intimacy that's an even harder bigger step because it's vulnerability it is in a space that you will feel things like anxiety and fear and that are things that people tend to avoid and they're feelings people don't like Mm -hmm. and my advice you know coming from your wonderful 22 year old over here is (laughs) (laughs) that if you are feeling anxiety and excitement at the same time do the thing without tail do the thing have this life mantra which is that i live my life saying like i cannot believe that i did that compared to saying like ah man i wish i did and and it's an opportunity thing and it's a i want to experience the world as it is in that moment doing those little checks like am i anxious yeah am i excited also yes yeah. Don't hold yourself back from doing the things you want. Mm-hmm. Build in that limit list. Give an give another line to it as uh-huh. often as totally. Yeah. One of my teachers used to say this as like the yay fuck moment. <laughs> Same thing. Gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much, Owen. Um, and is there anything that you want to share about how people can get in touch with you or events you have going on in the community absolutely i can be found in santa barbara currently i run the facebook group the blues infusion which is for dance but i also can be found on fetlife under the username rector which is u-n-r-e-c-t-o-r feel free to send me a message there if that is something want somebody to like walk you through the door i am a great person to hold people's hands as they walk into their first kink event um or any weird ass questions i consider myself the local hotline for weird ass questions so don't local ever hotline. 
from the local hotline. Amazing. Owen, thank you so much for being here, for your generosity, your your play, your bravery. You are just mm, so special to me. Thank you for providing the space. This is a really beautiful space that you've created. I absolutely just love that you have like this little diary to yourself too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice. Like if I if I could have like a collection of the people that I've met that I think are of value to me and putting it in like this type of a format, I would have done it as soon as I could have. This is brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much, Owen. And thanks for being a contribution. All right, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for going on this ride with us and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.